the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Good day. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Trying to get to your retirement. It's in the year, paid your taxes, starting to think about next year, got a little left over, maybe a government kickback coming from the IRS. What do you do with your money? It's tough, right? You want to spend, 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 but that's not necessarily the best idea. Because there's one day when your company's going to quit on you. There's one day when your body's going to quit on you. Um, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to be realistic. You need to save money for retirement. Social Security is a supplement at best. And when I'm sit- talking supplement, I'm not talking good stuff. You know the, the vitamins that turn your urine all yellow and it's smelly? Whoa. It's not like that. It's not like that kind of supplement. It's, it's, it's a lot worse. So it's not very much money. So that's what the show's about. Yeah, we'll look at some stocks that we're interested in 2019. For instance, like Facebook and Apple, well off their highs. Companies like NVIDIA, pretty darn interesting as far as tech companies go and what they're doing and what their, their penetration is. So that's out there. We'll look at the Google devices and the Google assistants. This is one that, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not an okay Google kind of guy. Google. I'm not a hey Siri kind of guy. Um, it's just not me. Deep in a battle, you know, Amazon and Google are going pretty hardcore at the dominant voice companion. Google assistants going to be on a billion devices by the end of the year. I find that I just don't use it. Google said the assistant, otherwise known as Hey, or OK Google, is available in 30 languages in 80 countries. So um, clearly the Google Home Hub speakers, Google Home Plus TVs, headphones, watches, and much, much more. Uh, billion plus devices. This is at the show today called CES. What's interesting to note about CES is it used to be a thing. Consumer Electronics Show. And now it's just bizarre. Some of the stuff you see coming out of CES, you're like, is that going to be the next OK Google? And it, it begs the question, do you really, um, do, you, do you like watching that kind of stuff? I do. So I pay attention to what comes out of all the big shows. There's a big healthcare conference going on right now in San Francisco. Huge. And we're learning about new cures and new treatments. And those can turn into amazing investments pretty darn quickly. So that's what we have today. Problems grown second largest, longest, not largest, second longest shutdown ever. Man, that's something, isn't it? You're hearing about TSA. You're having some, they have to work. You're hearing some of them are saying, well, if I'm not going to get paid, I'm going to call in sick. Day 18 of the second longest government shutdown in history. I know people who over Christmas and New Year's went to Washington, D.C., took their kids to show the museums. And yes, the museums are still open, but they're going to be shut down pretty fast here. 
Am I playing into the panic? The government's going to shut down. Mom's not going to get her social security check. We're all going to die. <laughs> Something tells me that there's a lot of disruption for sure, but people are going to get their checks. You have 450,000 people working without pay right now. Government agencies are impacted in various ways. Uh, and again, it's whether, you know, the, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Explosives, and, you know, what's going to happen with them? How does it hit you? Do you care? Do you not care? But we're at 18 days. After today, we'll be at 19 days. It's the second longest. The longest government shutdown, if you're playing the <clears throat> Rob Black Jeopardy at home, the longest government shutdown is 21 days. So we're at 19. So we're starting to get to that area where you are going to work this out, aren't you? And it's starting to get uncomfortable. And that's what I love about what I do. It's the uncomfort which rocks, in my opinion. So Dow jumps 300 points. Amazon got a little love from a guy named Bill Miller. Let me tell you about a man named Bill Miller. Bill Miller is a friend of yours. You're saying Bill Miller is no friend of mine. He's a value investor. And he, he'll come out on occasion and say, hey, I think Amazon is a value. And you're like, what the heck are you talking about? Are you insane? Insane in the membrane. Insane in the brain. It's lost money for so many of its quarters as a publicly traded company. How can it be a value? And he's like, look at their revenue growth, 25%. So he's given Amazon some love today. I'm looking for values at the start of the year. And Bill Miller is a value guy. He's the king of value. If Jordan was the king of the NBA, Bill Miller is the king of value investing. So it helps. The U.S.-China power struggle still in the news, and it's going to persist for years to come. There will be trade agreements, but damage has been done to the relationship of basically China has been acting like a fraternity brother who drinks all your beer. And on occasion, when you get mad at him for drinking all your beer, he'll go out and buy you a cheap, cheap, cheap six-pack of course, a beer you wouldn't even wash your car with. Oh boy, is this great! And he'll drink half of them. He says, see, I bought you beer. China's always, not always, in the last 20 years, they've, they've acted like the dog who has a crippled hand and put, shows you his paw, like, oh, I need food, oh, I need food. China's a great economic power, and they act like they're not. Uh, now, their middle class is a little worse off than our middle class, for sure. But this is going to hurt our relationship for a long time, trying to set it right of, you know, you bring good quality beer, I bring good quality beer, we drink together. I know you're saying, boy, you really got off on a tangent, Rob. What are you talking about beer for? That's a pretty good question. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Sears plans to shut down after 126 years in business. It's going, going, gone. Now, Amazon once said, we too one day will go bankrupt. Pretty interesting, right? Did Amazon kill Sears? Probably on some levels. You know, when I get uh, like a, uh, a washing machine, you know who I go to? I always go to Sears. Now I won't be able to go to Sears. I'm upset by this. Sears has this thing where like if your washing machine breaks on like, um, like a Sunday night at like 6 p.m., and you're like, oh, good God, how am I ever going to live without clean clothes? You contact Sears, and it's there the next day. Pretty darn close. 
So, and then you go to like Home Depot, and I'm going to price shop. I'm going to be smart in the world. I'm going to price shop. I bet they don't think I'm going to price shop. So you price shop to Home Depot, and you're like, whoa, what do you mean it's going to take two weeks? I can't possibly live like a stinking, filthy animal for two weeks. And Rob Black has once said, if he ever gets seen in a laundromat, you win $10,000. So what does Rob Black do? I'm not going to a laundromat. I'm not giving you $10,000. I'm going to stink for two weeks now since Sears is shutting down. I'm I'm not happy about this. Sears, just to show you how iconic they were. Sears catalog, the Christmas catalog, way better than the J.C. Penney's Christmas catalog. But your your parents would get both, and you they'd say, pick, you know, ear, uh, earmark a couple pages and, and tell us what you want and write it down, and do it before December third. Otherwise, you're going to get nothing, and you'll like it. Yes, I had that kind of father, but I am going to miss the Sears catalog. Rest in peace, Sears catalog. Rest in peace. I'm Rob Black. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. I promise you, if you listen to this show, I'm going to do my very best to get your retirement. I've got enough money to retire. It's always been my goal to have enough money to retire. I don't know why. I wasn't like a seven-year-old um, Alex Keaton carrying a, a Republican lunchbox to school and, and a, a tie and talking about economics. I wasn't. But for some reason, I always wanted to retire. It's in my head. So one of the reasons, one of the things in retirement that I want is income. Right now, I would tell my boss, take this job and shove it if I could. But I like the income. So I have to like ref- restrain I love my, my bosses. I have a boss on radio. I have a boss on TV. I, I, I've got bosses. How about the, the, the boss woman, right? The wife? You, some people, you like your income, so you can't tell people, I'm going to take the day off and play Xbox all day. So you need something to give you income in retirement. Let's hypothetically say I've got $100,000 laying around at the beginning of the year. It could be 10000 It could be 15000 It could be 5000 I managed to get through the year without spending everything. I invested in my 401k. I'm a good man. But now I have some extra money at the start of the year. What am I going to look for? First, I'm going to look at income investments, whether it be master limited partnerships or um, REITs, real estate investment trust, publicly traded, never private, never hard money, never private money. Then I'm going to take a look at some high dividend yielding funds like VYM. I'm going to take a look at some of the names like Johnson & Johnson and ExxonMobil and J.P. Morgan Chase. Johnson & Johnson is, is, is perilous right now. They make baby powder that may or may not have asbestos in it. And there's a big settlement coming down. And you think your baby, you think your baby butt, my baby butt so cute. I'm going to put powder on it and keep it all dry. <laughs> and then you're like putting cancer on your kid. And again, that's, it's so alleged at this point in time. But Johnson Johnson stock is down on the assumption that they're going to have to make some sort of settlement. So I'm going to look there because that yields 3.5%. And Johnson Johnson, no more baby tears. Uh, shampoo was around when I was a kid. Hopefully it'll be around when my kids have kids, right? J.P. Morgan Chase has a nice dividend yield of 3.5%. The financing world's not what it used to be. Blockchain's moving in. Costs are coming down. The days of being a fat banker are turning into being a, a puffy banker. But J.P. Morgan Chase is a great company. Now, again, we started this whole day today talking about Sears and the collapse there. 
Could Johnson & Johnson and J.P. Morgan Chase become the next series? Could be. If you listen to Mr. Bezos, everyone's going to go bankrupt. Speaking of Mr. Bezos, he's going to start sending samples to you. Now, I know people that have Costco memberships for the free samples, and they love the free samples. Those free samples are an amazing product placement because a lot of times you buy what you try. Super Bowl, it's just a crapshoot. You could have a monkey on a, a rocket going to the moon, representing E-Trade, representing the, the unlimited possibilities of investing. And E-Trade may flop on that. I'm looking at Bank of America and Wells Fargo and J.P. Morgan. I'm looking at Novartis and Nestle. In the ESTLE, Nestle makes the very best chocolate. I used to make my mom laugh. That was my gift. And uh, there was a commercial with Farfel the dog. And it was a sock dog, a sock puppet. And he would go, N-E-S-T-L-E, Nestle makes a very... And I, I would do that, and then I'd have the dog kiss my mom or something, and she would crack up. But Nestle's a good investment. It's, it's, it's down, but it has a 4% dividend yield. Novartis, big drug company. I'm, I'm, I'm delaying going to the doctor. But you can only delay so long. Well, sometimes you die. AT&T's got a 6.9% dividend yield. Verizon's got a 4.3. Now, AT&T's got some serious problems. Comcast has some serious problems. Like People are changing the way they're viewing their content and their media. And AT&T's gone on and like, we'll buy DirecTV. Like, they're, they're reacting like they should react, like their house is on fire. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. So these are some ideas that I'm looking for for income. I started off by telling you about an MLP. A lot of investors swore off MLPs. There was a big old decline in the last couple of years. But you can take a look at Kinder Morgan or Plains All-American Pipeline. These are pipeline companies. They make the things that no one wants in their backyard. Pipes with energy and oil flowing through them. And it's like a toll road. Cash flow. You have rising domestic energy production. That's going to be more demand. You've got improving corporate governance. Now, these things... When you're looking at 6, 7, 8, 9% rate of returns, you know there's some risk. And there's a lot of closed-in funds that were mismanaged, so you've got to be careful. Junk bonds are interesting. If I were to tell you, are you interested in a high-income bond? You're like, yeah, of course. I want 6, 7%. Guaranteed. Well, junk bonds are high-interest bonds. And they just have a nasty term written about them called junk bonds. Now, again, these are companies that are struggling. Companies like Mattel, who their, their, their whole future was Barbie, a piece of plastic with oversized um, features, super long legs. And I'll stop right there. Um, so Mattel, for them to borrow money, they got to promise that they're going to pay you back big. 6.75%. Uh, on a junk bond? Ooh, boy. Do you think Mattel's going out of business? I think they could. That's why they're paying that much. The higher the rate of return on a bond, the riskier it is assumed. Typically, it's, that assumption's correct, though. You can take a look at the BlackRock Corporate High Yield, HYT. has 9.1%. They go out and do the, the, the buys of the bonds for you. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking for income at the start of the year. What are you looking for? Maybe I'm looking for European dividend stocks. So, and there's, there's tons of them. BP, British Petroleum, GlaxoSmithKline, 
Royal Dutch. These are all on my shopping list, and they may get on my actual ownership list. They may not. I have to be very careful that I don't front-run anything. Um, <clears throat> Hard-hit financial sector. You heard last year was a tough year for the financials. J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, Citigroup, Morgan Stanley, all yielding about 3%. So you're going to get money to hold it until the company can re- get a better re- rate of return on their equity. Berkshire Hathaway's had a tough, tough run. And of course, they own a lot of apples. So are you owning an income company? Are you owning a conglomerate? What are you owning? You always have to think about that when you're considering buying income investments. If you've never heard of a preferred stock, start today with some research on iShares US Preferred, ticker symbol PFF. There's a lot going on out there with income. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, and don't forget muni bonds. Got a big seminar coming up on the 24th of this month in Palo Alto. I hope to see you there. It's at the Elks Lodge. It's Thursday evening, 6.30 to 8.30. You can learn more information at Rob Black Show. Use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. That's RADIO25. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I saw that PG, PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric, got downgraded its debt junk. That's not a good thing when a utility, something that's considered a safe investment in history, is on the brink of bankruptcy. Scary times, for sure. Speaking of scary times, let's bring in Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. He could guide us through these markets. He's done it for, gosh, it feels like six, seven years now in a row on this show. How are you doing, Mr. O'Hare? Hi, Rob. I'm doing well, and Happy New Year to you and your listeners. Good to be back. Um, I did sneak a peek while on vacation at some of your uh, columns. You were working. You're you're doing your part, uh, staying with the markets. Uh, where are we at the start of the year? If you were to, you know, give us a quick summary. Um, yeah, I think we're. we're- Probably right about the point that I think was reasonable to expect we would be. Uh, you know, December was such an ugly month, and of course you had that really uh, eye-opening sell-off on Christmas Eve. And you know, the market had moved into a very deeply oversold position, and the bearish narrative had just been um, proliferating far and wide. And so, I think conditions were ripe at that point for a um, you know for a contrarian rally, if you will. And uh, and I think we would have got one anyway, but obviously with the uh, boosts received from the December employment report and certainly from Fed Chair Powell's um, seemingly conciliatory remarks with respect to the Fed being patient uh, as it watches market signals more closely, uh, that just catalyzed things. And, and true to this market's nature, you know, it moved in a hurry and uh, came rallying back sharply, uh, you know, in the last three sessions, really. But, you know, since going back to um, the low on Christmas Eve, I think, you know, the S&P 500 is up close to, uh, I think, 9%. And so, uh, ironically, we probably have moved from an oversold condition to a short-term overbought condition, which uh, over the very near term could could lead to a little bit of um, what technicians, I think, would call backing and filling here or a period of consolidation as, uh, as we kind of cool things off here after this really hot start. I read your um, page one every day, start of the day. It's one of the things I do. Also, I'll turn on CNBC, Bloomberg, New York Times. It seems like there's kind of a, a feeling, though, that a lot of people are backing off the, the recessionary talk of December and going, it doesn't look that bad. 
where do you think, or how do you think this year plays out? Are we heading towards a recession? Too early to tell? Should we be worried about it? Should we uh, say, hey, the jobs numbers looks pretty good. We'll spend money. We're probably not heading towards a recession. How do you feel about, like, it seems like there's a conciliatory tone, almost like, come back to the stock market, please. It's not going to be a recession. Yeah, you know, I think the, um, you know, one thing to remember, obviously, with the labor market, it is a lagging indicator, but, uh, you know, okay. and when we get the, um, you know, with the January, um, or I'm sorry, the, uh, yeah, the you know, the uh, the January employment report, I mean, you're going to see uh, the effects of the government shutdown show up there, so you could actually have a, quite a negative headline number when that comes out, but uh, but having said that, I think what, uh, what did show shine through in the December employment report was, you know, the nice uptick in, in wage growth, right? And so it was was a nice, uh, probably a good timely reminder that, you know, the economy is, is, is slowing down, right? You can see that in the auto sales figures. You can see it in the home sales figures. Um, you can see it in the fact that, you know, weekly initial claims, um, you know, look to have, have bottomed. They're starting, you know, trending a little bit higher. I mean, they're not at a worrisome level by any means, but, um, but nonetheless, I mean, you are seeing some signs out there that suggest that the economy is slowing down. Um, but I think to the question at hand is, you know, it is an overreach to suggest that, you know, we're on a beeline to a recession. Uh, I don't think you've got those indicators out there, uh, certainly not in the economic data, that are, are are pointing that way. Now, everyone will call attention, obviously, to the flattening yield curve, uh, which always raises concerns about you know, uh, it, it being a recession indicator when the 10-2 spread inverts or when the three-month 10-year spread inverts. Uh, and we're seeing a narrowing spread there. And uh, But the thing to remember, too, though, about uh, inverted yield curves is, you know, uh, when recessions occur in their wake, uh, you know, the average recession hasn't happened until uh, for a period of about 16 months um, in, uh, after the first inversion. Um, and that's true going back to every recession uh, since 1980. So it's not like an immediate trigger if you get an inversion that you instantly see a contraction in economic activity. But it would be construed as a little bit of a worrisome signal that we're on a path toward a potential recession. But all in all, I think you still can you know make a case here that the U.S. economy should continue to hold up you know, in 2019 and should certainly hold up, you know, if we can get some type of trade agreement uh, with China worked out. And, uh, and, and you can see confidence um, shored up with the idea that, uh, you know, the Fed's not going to be overly aggressive with its interest rates policy. Am I kind of crazy, but there sounds like there's some good news coming. Government shutdown's going to end, we hope, we assume. Mm-hmm. China and the U.S. are going to figure out some sort of trade agreement, we hope, we assume. Oil prices will probably firm up instead of continue to fall, we hope, we assume. There's a lot of hoping right now, but it does seem like some positives could happen to our you know, backdrop for a higher stock market. It's true, Rob, and and I think that that goes back to sort of you know what I was alluding to earlier is just how prevalent the bearish narrative got you know in the fourth quarter, right? We, uh, you know, we kind of the the stock market sell off uh, really became a um, uh, you know a signpost for all of the concerns to be oversold about a slowdown, right? Because you know the stock market's a forward looking entity, and when you see stock prices drop as rapidly as they did. You know, it, it understandably evokes some concerns that uh, some really bad news is about to hit that 
corroborates the drop in those stock prices. And um, But this market also overreaches at times, uh, moves very quickly and overreacts in a number of situations. And so, uh, so knowing that you have, you know, a lot of these, uh, these items that were held out as distinct negatives toward the end of 2018, um, and the fact that you got oversold in the stock market, there's now a, a sight line or a, a basis to think that, you know, things could be better than expected if they simply don't get any worse, right? And I think that part of the rally effort this week is is predicated in part on the idea that the trade talks that are taking place in Beijing this week, we haven't really heard anything specific coming out of them. But importantly, we haven't heard anything negative either. And the absence of a negative is construed as a positive that has helped bolster investor sentiment this week. And so if you actually do get a uh, you know an agreement on structural trade issues uh, by the March 1 deadline, um, you should see quite a relief rally uh, unfold in, in the stock market, and um, uh, and that would be a good thing uh, because it would be a, a stepping stone, I think, to uh, help lift uh, certainly business confidence and, and planning efforts as it relates to capital investment and expansion efforts. As always, I find that there's a world of information at briefing.com. I've been using it for 20-plus years now, which is crazy. Um, what are you working on right now that it, that might be in a future article, a future update that we could get some insight from that is in the mind of Patrick O'Hare? Sure. Well, you know, we have um, the earnings season's coming up here uh, in right. just a couple of weeks. It's going to really ramp up. And so uh, the topic of this week's big picture column will, will really just be, a, you know, a fourth quarter earnings preview. Um, and it's going to be a really important period because, you know, obviously with the warning we heard out of Apple, um, you know, I think investors need to be prepared to to hear some uh, other uh, disappointing news. You know, uh, the earnings themselves probably better be better than expected, as is typically the case. But I think the, the guidance is, is going to be more cautious-minded, uh, given the uncertainties that, uh, that have struck this market and which are out there with respect to trade, uh, interest rate policy, um, uh, and just a natural slowdown from um, uh, from last year as comparisons get a little bit tougher. So probably going to hear a little bit more cautious-minded guidance, and what's going to be important is how the market reacts to that, because that will tell you whether that's already been accounted for in the sell-off in December or if it's something that kind of you know reawakens a bit of that bearish spirit that took root in the fourth quarter. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us, and we'll look forward to another year with briefing and with your insights in the market. Thanks so much. Okay, thanks, Rob. A lot going Oh, absolutely. A um, lot going on right now. I start every day with page one at briefing.com. I think um, Patrick O'Hare does a really good job of making it what we're looking at. I mean, just looking at his page one today, he talks about the halo effect of Fed Chairman Powell's acknowledgement that the Fed will be patient, a fear of missing out on further gains, attention to discounted valuations. I've already talked about some of the income stocks that I'm looking at that are value-oriented. We've talked about uh, Bill Miller from uh, the King of Value Investing saying Amazon looks like a value to him. Um, just a lot going on. But I think Briefing does a pretty good job of, of giving you information that's digestible. Samsung Electronics issued a fourth quarter profit warning that had similar linkages to the sales warning that Apple had. Samsung's well on the way to a 5G phone. Apple doesn't look like they're anywhere near a 5G phone. That's my biggest concern for Apple in 2020. That's where I'm looking at. We also have the UK's Brexit plan. It remains a mystery. 
It's like Sherlock Holmes could come in and figure this one out. Uh-uh. Boy, that movie was a flop over Christmas. Will Ferrell. Is he finished? Is he finished? Um, but a lot of optimism right now. Be careful. Just look at your portfolio. Look at it very robotically. Look at what you need for the 2019 to say you had a good year. Start implementing plans. Look at the big picture. Are you on the road to retirement or not? You need somewhere between 10 to 20 times your income before you can retire. That's humbling. Big seminar to teach you on income investing, retirement planning, wealth preservation. Coming up on the 24th in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. You can sign up for it at Rob Black Show. Rob Black Show. Use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Amazon's going to start sending samples to select shoppers' homes based on their purchasing history. That's a gold mine for advertisers. Jeff Bezos is watching their product you. in your hand. So... Amazon's going to grow in the world of advertising. Do you think of them as an advertiser or just a retailer? Facebook and Google have had problems managing their advertising in the past few years. Amazon needs to be careful. There's a precarious line of giving brands information about their customers that you've got to be very careful about. Ask Facebook about getting into hot water based on giving over information to ad-based businesses. It's going to be interesting. I like it, though. I do like it. CES is going on the Consumer Electronics Show. And I will always take a look at what's going on at CES just to see if there's something down the road that looks interesting that may have potential to be a billion-dollar business model. Um, So pay attention to CES. And you can get a lot of information on CES online. And a lot of reporters share with you the best of CES, Consumer Electronics Show. So I think it's a smart thing to do. So Sears is planning to shut down after 126 years as a business. I had in my mind that Sears Roebuck was kind of like a wild, wild west retailer when I was a kid. Like, didn't they they give like, couldn't like a cowboy order a horse from Sears? Probably could back in the day. That was always my assumption. So it, it feels weird that Sears is going away. J.C. Penney's changed their name to Jacques Penney, a famous French retailer, just because they didn't want to be associated with American retail. Jamie Dimon says the stock market overreacted, no recession ahead. Markets overreacted short-term sentiment around a whole bunch of complex issues. He says no recession ahead. In, in December, all I was talking about, I was like Chicken Little. I was running around screaming, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, a recession's coming. The Fed's going to push interest rates too high. People won't be able to afford new mortgages. People won't be able to afford adjustable rate mortgages. The end is near. Student loan rates will reset higher. And now we're kind of like, well, well, it's not that bad. The consumer's in good shape. They're continuing to grow. They've got some backwinds with jobs and wages going up. So we could have a decent 2019 is now the narrative. In December, the narrative was we're going to heck in a handbasket. See how fast it changes? Roku still in the news. Yesterday, they were up 25%. I talked about Roku yesterday and how it's an interesting play on cable cord cutting because they're not just trying to be the hardware. If they were trying to be just the hardware, eh -eh. (laughs) we'll see where Roku goes. They're trying to put their software in TVs. 
And if you think about it, Apple put their mobile operating system on phones. Microsoft put their operating system on desktop computers. Could Roku do it? One analyst says no way. He sees it as uninvestable. The analyst says Apple's deal with Samsung letting customers stream content through iTunes on Samsung TVs, not that special. So yesterday, Roku up big. Today, Roku down not as big. It was up 25% yesterday, down 6% today. But Citron is the research house who, who pushed this note out this morning. And they're basically surprised the public, you know, by being kind of negative on the deal. So, uninvestable. Do you believe in that? Do you like that term? Do you not like that term? Do you like an analyst with an opinion? Trust me, competing with the likes of Amazon with their streaming services, Netflix with their streaming services, Samsung who builds the TVs that we all buy, it's, it's formidable. But should you take a look at it? Should you not? I find it very interesting. So I I like to dabble in the world of interesting. Dabble, not go all in. Dabble. Trade talks are extending today. Trump sees progress. Wall Street rallies on that, but then Wall Street falls, thinking, you know, this whole shutdown's not good. So if I've taught you one thing this segment, between what we saw in December, where we were like, oh no, the end is near, to January, well, we can, we can work with this market. We can work with this market. This is a good market to work with. There's enough there. There's enough positives that could turn from negatives to positives. Interest rates could slow. Oil could build in price. Trade talks could uh, lead to fruition. So the market's moody. Man, I'll tell you what. thing that I hated about uh, being a younger man was how moody uh, my peers were. Whether it's a, a person you're dating and in love with, whether it's your best friend, dealing with people's mood is not an easy thing. Not an easy thing. That's just me. And I don't like dealing with the moodiness of the market. December to January, what changed? Not a darn thing. Just our perspective. 800-516-1220 to get calls on the air. Novartis is a stock that is a big pharmaceutical stock that a lot of people don't want to acknowledge whether it be Pfizer or Merck or Novartis, big pharmaceutical companies have a pretty good situation. The world's getting older. You should consider a big pharmaceutical company or a medical investment or a healthcare idea in your portfolio. Try to build it. Try to base it on reason, though, okay? Don't get all crazy on me. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Big seminar coming up in Palo Alto. I'd love to see you there. Start the year off right. There's a lot going on this year. It's the 24th of January. It's going to be at the Elks Lodge. You can find out more. It's about retirement. It's about income. It's about Trump. It's about the Congress and much, much more. Sign up at robblackshow.com. Use the code RADIO25 to get in free. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.